0: Hi, welcome to Conversations on Public Health. I'm your host Prachi. Join me every week as I travel across India, speaking to folks who are solving massive public health challenges facing our country and the larger developing world. One of the major contributions of the feminist movement worldwide has been the integration of gender concerns into research. I was not very shocked to find out that studies that adopt a gender-sensitive methodology indicate higher levels of morbidity among women. It is to talk about this and much more in detail that joining us today is Sapna Kedia. Sapna is someone who I've admired greatly since I was a child. She has forged a unique career path that has traversed the World Bank, One World Foundation, People for Parity, and most recently the ICRW. Sapna, a very welcome to our show.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Prachi.
0: Now, the government runs various health programs, right? Um, But the ones that are women-centric always tend to be around maternal health or reproductive health. And the assumption there being that a maternal health program is an adequate response to addressing the differences between sexes when it comes to health. I think it's very reductive because ultimately women can and they do fall ill for reasons that have nothing to do with their sexual anatomy particularly. How does the public health system really view women's
1: health? Uh, You know, uh, like you said, it's actually a very, very reductive uh, viewing of women and girls. Uh, The thing is that women and girls are largely looked at as um, birth givers, right? So basically, everything in the public health system uh, looks at women and girls keeping in mind their role as someone who's going to give birth in the future apart from that the public health system really does not think about women's mental health does not even think about women's and girls lives as gendered beings right because you're a woman or because you're a girl um, the way that our society is uh, works the way that our society works. our lives are very gendered we face a lot of stereotypes that has an impact on our mental health that often has an impact on our health behavior right often you will see and through our research also we found out and we know through research while worldwide that um, women and girls are perhaps the last to tell anyone at home that they are not feeling well so i think the public health system is very very reactive to women and girls health health needs they it's not proactive at all they don't think of it as something that they can shape like they don't uh, pass on positive messages about health about screening about taking care of your mental and physical and emotional well-being it's it all has to do with uh, maternal and child health uh, in relation to childbirth and caregiving so, in a way, the public health system, you know, uh, reinforces to a large extent our gendered roles in society. Do you feel like that has changed in the past few years,
0: especially with different kinds of government programs that may or may not have a lot to do with
1: health? You know, uh, I feel like intentions are there. There is There are schemes on adolescent health there are schemes on uh, women's health well-being there is now increasingly there is focus on mental health but as is often the case you know it isn't reduced to being on paper if you see on paper we are supposed to have adolescent friendly health clinics health centers we are supposed to have uh, you know one-stop centers for women and girls we are supposed to have counseling services but when you actually go and visit some of these health centers there is absolutely no facility there as a woman and girl you cannot imagine walking into that space alone and you know talking about your health or talking about things that you otherwise cannot discuss so I feel like uh, intention is gradually growing but uh, the implementation is not serious it is largely flawed the thing is that the health system has to be proactive and reach out to women and girls and in its uh, communication, through its programs, constantly s- try to say that, okay, the man's health is important, but your health is also important and these are the things that you need to do. There is such a lack of infrastructure, there is such a lack of resources or not proper utilization of resources or underutilization of resources, except maybe in terms of say, in, uh, Encouraging institutional delivery, focusing on antenatal care, postnatal care, because we have to reduce the maternal mortality rate and infant mortality rate. That is the key focus.
0: Do you think uh, this low utilization of resources also comes because people don't trust uh, these service providers or they feel like they won't get the quality of service that they, they should be getting?
1: Absolutely. Look, our public health system is very burdened, right? I mean, it's understaffed and it doesn't have uh, good quality services. So, anybody, like during our research, during our interviews, when we ask them, would you prefer going to a government service or government public s- uh, health uh, center or private, they would, they'll would they say private, they'll say, ki, you know, uh, or like we, have, we may have to pay more, but... Um, at least we'll get good quality services. And when I when we mean good quality, it's just not in terms of availability of medicines or the quality of the service provider. It's also things like privacy, confidentiality, that is that, that are very important, right? Especially in our context. Like for instance, if a woman wants to get an abortion, she has to absolutely know that uh, it will be done in a confidential manner, it will be done in a private manner. But that those kinds of uh, ethical, like quality in terms of ethical concerns is severely lacking, right? And of course, then there are issues of service providers being highly judgmental because they are a part of the same society that we are in. then there is a lack of resources, there's lack of medicine, supplies, then there's also this thing of overcharging, right? A lot of the services are supposed to be free of cost, but often... Women and girls land up paying paying out-of-pocket expenditure, even for something like institutional delivery, for which women and girls are supposed to be given money. Uh, They get money, but they also land up spending over and above that. We've often seen that, uh,
0: let's say, any patient's experience with the hospital depends entirely on their service providers. So who's taking care of women's health in the system? And what do women need when it comes to like access to health?
1: So see, ironically, most service providers taking care of women's needs are women, right? So if you look at it, if you talk about India's public health system, you will see that the first point of communication is the ASHA worker, is the are the a ms or the Anganwadi worker right and then you go to the hospital and then they're at the primary health center or at the sub center or the community health center district hospital they are usually lady doctors but what's also what also happens is that very often there is a shortage of lady doctors because lady doctors have restrictions in terms of how far away from home they can work so in serious cases many times Women may have to go to uh, male doctors, which in our context, you can understand why they may be uncomfortable with, right? But the point is that these health workers are also a part of the society. They are also very gendered. So many times they land up reinforcing uh, gender norms through their work. Like for instance, ASHA workers, when they are doing family planning work, they often go and tell new brides okay have the first kid in the first year of your marriage and then we'll think about um, then we'll think about uh, family planning methods from the second year right right
0: be- because there's this uh, this pressure to prove
1: fertility yes absolutely new couples have a lot of pressure to p- prove fertility and asha sort of then play into that
0: expectation too
1: yes be yes because they are a pa- they are they are see they are in a way, ashas are called asha bahus, and they are a part of the community. They are a part of the village, right? So they obviously cannot advise a new couple not to have a baby in the first year, because otherwise they'll almost be ostracized in the community. That what are you advising our children? So then this seems like a systemic problem, and there's it almost
0: seems like there's an inertia to understanding exactly what women need or in fact what just people need to thrive and you know live in a society where they can be healthy
1: so uh the thing is that um not just inertia there's this fear because it means questioning the social fabric of the society right and that is a very risky business nobody's nobody wants to uh you know, change things at the foundation level, you know. And in our context, sometimes you can also be, it can almost be fatal, right? So uh, everybody wants to play safe and the health system also does that. Gradually, I must admit and acknowledge that there is a little bit of recognition of the fact that women's health is highly impacted by their gender, their access to services, Uh, the quality of services they receive um, and when they seek out health services all of that is uh, influenced by their gender and in order to actually improve women's health outcomes give them what they really need we must take into account gender right there is recognition of that but at the same time there is it's very gradual it's very slow and uh, often the recognition gets limited to just recognizing it and not does not go till the point of action. I want to talk now a little bit about,
0: uh, you know, the people who, who contribute to this recognition, acknowledgement and identification of the fact that, you know, health services need to be gendered. Uh, are these people, are they women? Like what does women's leadership for women's health look like?
1: So one thing, you know, uh, Prachi, is that a lot of these health policies health schemes health implementation plans are being made ba- made by men right there are very very few women in leadership positions in the health sector whether it be the public system whether it be the private system whether it be pharmaceuticals whether it be allied health services whether it be nursing hospitals training centers everywhere right so that's a big big gap and that gap percolates down to all the things that I've been speaking about right we've been speaking about so there's an absolute gap in terms of women's leadership a lot of um, organizations NGOs a lot of international donors uh, a lot of grassroots organizations are trying to address some of this gap uh, but It's a long process and it's literally, it's like a battle. It's like how women had to fight for voting rights. Do you think that there's a need to
0: mobilize women at the grassroots level to ensure this happens? Because as I see it, a lot of the people who are doing the advocacy work around women's health and women's movement, they're not the women themselves. They're organizations that are speaking up for women.
1: So, uh... Yes and a lot of these organizations have presence at the grassroots so any organization that claims to speak for women if it does not have presence in the grassroots then it absolutely does not have any credibility right so you are absolutely right that you need to mobilize women at the grassroots level you need to mobilize asha workers anms and so on and so forth it takes a lot of time but you definitely need the support of grassroots organizations you need the support of women who are actually in the villages who are working and who can tell you what the concerns of women and girls are that is one thing that we often miss out and not just in health schemes and education and so on so forth we'll go we'll do some formative research we'll collect information from women and girls and then we'll make the scheme and never go back to women and girls for their feedback We never make women and girls a part of that process. And that's very important. Any scheme that you're implementing should have points where women and girls' feedback is constantly taken, where women and girls, there are opportunities for women and girls to hold the system accountable.
0: In our society, right, where women have such low agency when it comes to sex and control over our own sexuality, um, how the government promotes and limits access to these health services. They they serve as a very strong signal about, you know, what and whose behavior is acceptable and what and whose behavior will be penalized. In what ways um, are sexual and reproductive health rights understood, promoted and limited?
1: Yes, yes. So, you know, one thing is, do we actually understand what sexual and reproductive health rights are, right? Sexual and reproductive health talks about sexual relationships, it talks about sexual pleasure, it talks about consent it talks about healthy sexual relationships it talks about freedom to choice in terms of who you have a sexual relationship with when you decide to have a child how many children you decide to have whether you decide to have a child at all or not whom you marry whether you decide to marry at all or not but nobody talks about sexual and reproductive health rights like that sexual and reproductive health right is only spoken about in terms of reproduction It's spoken in terms of uh, having children and spacing between children. Nothing beyond that. And perhaps, of course, family planning and contraception, which also is highly gendered because most family planning methods that we push through the public health system are women centered, right? We do talk about condoms, but we all know that condoms are something that men don't want to use. A lot of our participants from the field have expressed that oh you know their partners don't want to use condoms because it's not pleasurable enough but what is the alternative the alternative is sterilization female sterilization the alternative is oral contraceptive pills injectables for women so we push we women centered family planning methods right so there is a complete lack of understanding of what sexual and reproductive health rights means and in a way, that is, this lack of understanding is the first limiting factor, right? Because then you are not creating an environment where a woman, where a young adolescent girl can walk in and talk to you about safe sex, right? Find out information. Given our context, premarital sex is highly tabooed, right? So suppose some young girl has to have an abortion before marriage, where will she go she will go to a quack she'll get an unsafe abortion done she'll go to a chemist and buy medical abortion pills the chemist will not tell you everything properly so there is absolutely sexual and reproductive health rights is actually a complete example is actually the best example to show how the public health system views women's health and girls' health in a completely gendered manner, and how it completely reinforces that sort of uh, the gender norms around women's sexuality, around around women's reproduction, around women's roles as mothers, even service providers in urban India judge women who go in to talk about um, safe sex, who go in to talk about contraception, who go in to talk about abortions. And the public health system mostly only engages with women around issues of sexual and reproductive health rights. There is very little space or intention to talk to their male partners, to talk to their husbands, to talk to their fathers, right? Because we feel reproduction and childbirth and everything is a women's issue.
0: Yeah, so then women have very little rights when it comes to their own sexuality, but the entire responsibility of contraception also lies on them
1: absolutely right absolutely so you see right the health taking care of women and their needs falls on women workers taking care of the family size falls on women going to the service provider last because you have to prioritize everyone else's health in the family that sort of expectation falls on women so despite receiving very little women are the ones who have to sort of constantly uh, take the responsibility of having a healthy family even when someone wants to talk about women's health and advise them they say look you have to be healthy for the sake of your family no one tells women that you have to be healthy because you have a right to a healthy life because you are an individual
0: you know also stuff like you know we've put these conditionalities like if you have a two-child family, then you get these benefits and you get access to like certain health programs. But then if you don't, you're punished. And
1: you're punished for behavior that you have very little control over. That's the thing, right? Women are supposed to shape behaviors which they have no control over and they are punished when they can't shape those behaviors despite the fact that they have no control over it. So it's it's in a way so ironical. But it's also, I mean, what else do you expect when it comes to Um, health needs or taking care of your family or spacing your children they don't have agency they they don't have the agency to decide when to have it when to first when to get married whom to get married to then when to have the first child they don't even have an agency over the number of children and sex of their child if a girl is born they are blamed for giving birth to a girl right so where, is, where are we giving women the agency and where is a health system working to give women agency? Everyone knows there is a lot of research in the health system that uh, look uh, women don't have agency, you have to work with their partners and now there is growing work on engaging male, men and couples and there is research and organisations like ICRW are trying to do some work on that but it's just the beginning. And there is absolutely no, no uh, sort of, uh, uh, how do I say, there is no sort of uh, conscious effort to make sure that look, if your male partner or if your husband is not here, then the service will not be provided or your husband needs to be there or something to ensure that the male partner is accountable, right? Because until and unless you discuss things with the male partner, things won't happen in the family because they are the karta dharta, right?
0: What is then the, the way forward? What do you think we can we can and like should do to change this? Because it, this, this seems like a vicious cycle. Um you know that requires some very targeted interventions that I'm not sure are really like done with you know with a lot of intention I mean is is it the intention that's missing
1: intention and priority right because look this is a long haul you for to work on programs with a gender lens you have to be prepared for the long haul right so you won't get results in one or two years So, for that, you need to start with kids in school. Start with adolescents from the time they reach puberty. Run sex education programs in schools. Talk about um, women's health. Talk about mental health. Talk about emotional health. Talk about how gender impacts all of this. Then you talk to boys and girls a little more a little elder you talk to them about safe sex practices you talk to them about abortions pregnancies uh, childbirth right age to get married and so on and so forth so you work on the awareness of your uh, of the population of your uh, of you know the i don't like to use the term beneficiaries but of the people for whom you're making these services right Then the other end, so that's the demand side of it. On the supply side, and then you also work in the community. You work in the community with husbands, you engage husbands, you engage mother-in-laws. Similarly, at the system side, you develop capacity. You address issues of women's leadership. You create schemes, policies that have very clearly have a gendered lens and they know that look you know these are the gender issues that have to be taken into account if this scheme needs to work if women and girls can actually access these schemes then you work on capacity building of your health workers on the ground you give them adequate remuneration so that they are motivated and then you give them capacity building you give them protection from the system that if somebody ostracizes you, we are there, right? You create that kind of a backup and you train your staff on privacy, on confidentiality, on train them on gender issues. So it's a it's for the long haul. You cannot just say, Okay, you know, I'll start calling male partners with the woman for appointments and that's it. No some you it's a long haul there are many many steps so you have to identify short-term medium term and long-term strategies right from top to bottom and bottom to top
0: what are some programs
1: within this space that
0: have shown like promising results
1: uh you know there are organizations grassroots organizations like masoom in maharashtra they do a lot of work on women's health and they've, they have a whole cadre of grassroots women health workers that uh, work on women's health from a very gendered lens. They look at issues of domestic violence and how it impacts women's health. They look at issues of safe abortion and access to abortion. They look at issues of access to uh, menstrual hygiene products and menstrual health. Also, they look at then there are donors like Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation that are trying But also Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is very very it comes from a very sort of uh, I don't know how to put it but it's also from a very population control sort of uh, uh, lens but they are trying and they are supporting a lot of work on male engagement they are supporting a lot of work on uh, gendered analysis Mm -hmm. then there are donors like David and Packard Foundation And, and Uh, organizations research organizations like icrw then there are organizations like tarshi there's someone there's kriya these are all organizations that are doing very brave work around sexuality some of these are some of them are working on uh breaking stereotypes questioning um norms some of them are working on the system side some of them are working on creating research and evidence right so these are all pieces of a puzzle you need research you need data you need to you need trainers you need people who can build perspectives change perspectives then you need leaders within the system who can devise these policies and implement them right so they are varied organizations right from the grassroots till the until international donors that are working on this, then there are also voluntary campaigns. Sapna, you've shed light on a very crucial topic today and listening
0: to you has taught me a lot. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Prachi. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you.